and we are off. Welcome to the latest episode of Rounds Rant, and today I'm joined by UFC fighter Mark Hunt. Mark currently competes in the UFC and was also the winner of the 2001 K1 World Grand Prix. Anyway, thanks a lot for coming on the show today, Mark, and how are things with you? Good, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, everything's good. Things are pretty good with me, it's fine. Just talk to me a bit about your early days as a child. You were born in New Zealand, obviously, so what was it like growing up there? Yeah, it was all right. Just, uh, I think it was quite a normal, um, normal as you'd say. <laughs> yeah. Was there was there any moments throughout your childhood or late teenage years that stood out when you look back on it? Um, not really. There's a lot of things uh, that I didn't do right, but uh, there's a lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, you wouldn't say is normal, but you know. There's... You had. I've read that you've had. You had stints in jail, and I'm just curious to know. Like, how did you end up in those situations? Was there a matter of circumstance? Was it due to your upbringing? Was it down to where you were hanging out? How did how did those experiences pan out? Yeah, I think uh, hanging out with the wrong crowds at uh, certain times. So um, I think that contributed to, to me being placed in incarceration for a couple of times. So, yeah, then it, um, it wasn't a good thing. So at the end of the day, yeah. Uh, and how long, if you don't mind me asking, how long were those stints in jail? Well, the first time I got uh, nine and a half months, I think it was, and um, uh, for aggravated robberies. The other time was uh, a couple of months, I think. So yeah, so they decent. Weren't that long at all, but they were they were quite long at that time. So okay, well. Ken Shamrock came on the show a few months ago and he, he spoke about his his rough experiences as a childhood and he mentioned that he got stabbed when he was, I think, 10 or 11. And I'm just wondering, through experiencing these hardships uh, during your youth and as a teenager and when you're grown up, do you think that makes you mentally tougher than most other people? And if so, why? Well, I mean, you know, growing up, coming from nothing, it kind of you know, helps you good. For anything really, so you know, um, I'm used to having not much at all, to be honest, and um, uh, worked to a point to where I'm here today, which is um, still working towards getting better. But you know, I appreciate a lot of the things I've done, I've uh, accomplished, and I've gone through. So it's made me a better person um, from what I'm from used what I used to be. So you know, um, yeah, so. It does help you get uh, a lot stronger and make you think differently about different things. And moving forward. What initially got you started into mixed martial arts, or as you started off, you started off in K1, how did that all end up happening? How did you get up into the fight game? Was it true? Did someone encourage you to do it, or was it your own decision at the time? Oh, well, it was actually, I started, I was in an altercation outside a nightclub, and, um, you know, my um, first trainer was one of the bouncers there, so... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was, uh, he actually, uh, you know, I met him after the altercation, and well, he actually saved me from being arrested, and then, you know, four days later, I was actually uh, fighting in that same club, which was uh, pretty good. So yeah. Well, so you didn't you didn't have really any other options. It came from the altercation as a bouncer that led to an opportunity. Well, just, yeah, which led to an opportunity. You know, he, he saved me from being arrested by the police, and uh, you know, four days later, he asked me if I wanted to compete in his Muay Thai show, and um, that's how I started fighting. I um, did my first Muay Thai fight. And a few days later, and um, it was a great experience, and then went from there. Mm. And as I previously mentioned, you you started off your so well the professional aspect of your career in K one kickboxing. Yeah, and eventually, I got. Uh, <clears throat> I was actually just 
you know, I wasn't taking it any seriously as I got to Australia. And, um, you know, I, I was still working a full-time job. I, um, I actually, uh, you know, I won the first K1 Oceana tournament and, um, and then, um, won it, didn't get a fight for the whole year. And then won the, the Oceana tournament for the second time. And then that year I won the world title in K1 and, um, got my first work contract, um, in 2001 after winning the world title and, uh, signed my first world contract ever. So I became a professional athlete then, so, which was, you know, kind of new. <laughs> yeah. What was your biggest, your biggest learning or the biggest thing you gained from those experiences early on with K1? Was it something about improving your fight game? Was it the mental aspects? Was it something financial? Like, what was the biggest thing that surprised you or you learned from those first few years, as you said, being um, a professional uh, kickboxer or mixed martial artist, whichever way you want to phrase it? Yeah, well, to be honest, I didn't really learn much. I mean, the only thing I learned from that, and it was later on that I learned that, uh, you know, um, my first uh, being being ripped off by a piece of shit manager. So <laughs> that's the first thing I learned. That's the first thing I learned. Oh, you need to get good people around you because, and I didn't learn that till later on. You know, um, uh, meeting, um, you know, crooked little sharks in those days. Uh, you know, wasn't easy. So you know, learning from things like that, it, it's uh, it was not a good experience. But um, yeah, that's the first thing I pretty much basically learned. Like, uh, there's a lot of crooked, freaking shitty ass uh management out these days <laughs> mm, yeah and it's, it's in every uh, walk of life unfortunately but yeah it's worth noting yeah, well being some being someone new to the game it uh was my first introduction so you know and do you feel that by being maybe exposed to different elements of mixed martial arts and kickboxing and some of the rules in k1 are slightly different to what people see nowadays in the ufc was it important for you to start off your competitive your career being a bit more diverse with your game, did you be able to bring some of the skills you learned there into the UFC in future years, or was it very much a case, as you said, you basically didn't learn a huge amount and you just adjusted to whatever was put in front of you? Well, I had to. I mean, I came from a striking background predominantly, and um, and uh, I didn't know anything about wrestling. I didn't even know anything about martial arts until I actually was offered a fight um, against a guy named Fujita. But um, you know, at the it's uh, yeah, so um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just uh, playing a game at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing a game. I'm trying to conquer this. I'm just building a playing Warhammer at the moment, so I'm just building an army. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking yeah, at its finest. Yeah, but but what? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to multitask. I'm not like a woman. Woman can multitask, but <laughs> anyway. So, um, so what was the question again? <laughs> I'm just wondering, did the kicks? Bo- kickboxing element and all the different types of fighting styles did that lead you to learn a bit more quicker than maybe other people who were fighting in the UFC at the time due to the fact that there was a more kind of diverse range of skill sets required in K1 then was a uh, um, there was yeah, and, and then later on there was no pride actually even back then um, well the, I didn't hear about UFC until later on I mean it didn't get come to prominence until it was um, I think it brought out pride and mm. then um, went from there. So it was only uh, I went from uh, working from K1. I had a year off because I had an injury. I lost the world title 2002, and um, I was I was in talks with a company called uh, Dream. Uh, I think I was with I signed with Dream, and then I was um, I think UFC was coming from then after they bought Pride out. So then I started fighting for a company in Pride, and then going from there. So 
And throughout that period from when you left K1 to before you got your UFC contract, you were obviously with Pride, as you mentioned, but if I'm not mistaken, you fought some big names like Fedor and Overeem during that time. And what, what was it like fighting those guys in arguably their prime? Well, to be honest, it was, it was a, you know, a great honor to fight these guys. I didn't know a lot of them were cheating, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I, coming from that era of fighting, you know, you don't know a lot of shit. I was quite green, you know, coming from um, just working a normal job to becoming a full-time prize fighter is, is uh, something you have to try and get used to, too, as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was quite a good experience. Like I said, I have, uh, you know... Uh, I had a chance to, to spend the, you know, shit uh, octagon or ring with uh, some of the best fighters on the planet. So, you know, I'm pretty thankful for that. You know, regardless, they were cheating. Oh, well, a lot of them were anyway, so. Yeah. On the topic of Fader, I don't want to spend too much time on him. <laughs> a, yeah. lot of, a lot of people coin him as the, the greatest heavyweight of all time. You recently had a, a win in Bellator over Frank Mir. Considering that you fought him debatably in his, during his prime, would you put him as the best fighter you've come against, or is it a hard uh, question to answer? Well, I mean, there's a lot of I fought a, lot, a lot of great fighters, but you know, Fedor is one of the best fighters in the world. I mean, I, you got to give props to his due. Um, I don't think he was cheating. Um, I think you know, I, I give him props because he's a great fighter. He beat me um, when we were fighting, and I, was going, I can't really say much about that. When you lose to someone, if they're not cheating, then you lose to them. You know, that's the bottom line. So, I think, um, yeah. So. Yeah, well, so I think he is a, a great fighter. The reason I asked that you fought so many fighters during their primes, which is it's ultimately a compliment to you because it shows the longevity you've had in the fight game at the highest level. But let's fast forward a few years on from K1 and Pride and you find yourself in the UFC. And I'm just curious, how did that all come about? How did you end up signing? Did Dana get in touch? Was it someone else? How did it come about? Oh, there's a long story to that, and uh, you know, I can't really get into that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I won't get into it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Throughout your time leading up to when you joined the UFC, you have you suffered a five-fight losing streak, albeit against some top-level yeah. fighters like we mentioned, Fader, Alistar. But there was was there ever a period where you experienced failure through maybe an injury or a loss in a big fight, but looked back on it? as a massive moment in creating a future success down the line. Did you mean by, uh, I, I've never really, I mean, the only, did you talking about getting injured while you're fighting or what, what was the question, sorry? Well, just a knock. So say, for instance, if you ever had to suffer from an injury, whether it was a mental thing or else coming off a, a big a big loss during your uh, career, was there ever a time where a negative eventually turned out to be a positive when you say experience success after it so was there ever a time you looked back on a failure yeah. and I, it helped you? I think I think for me I, I know through that, that that skill of losing I was going through a, uh, a patch not not inside the octagon or the ring sort of should I say but I experienced a, a lot of mental uh, strain outside of it so I was battling with a lot of different things at that, 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 that certain time there was no way that I was going to do anything especially winning fights or anything when I was dealing with different stuff like that, so it's mm. hard to um I think anything anyone dealing with mental issues or different things at the time would understand that um that it does not help you with your fighting career when you have to go through things like that and things and I'm not making excuses for losses. I'm just saying you just you know you need a constant as a fighter you've a fighter you've got to concentrate on fighting 
hundred percent, and you know, it's not um, it's not an easy thing to be con- to be doing. So, especially when you're uh, got other things at play at the moment, you know, other things mm. that are going on in your world. So you know, at that time they're losing. I couldn't, you know, I got Lilo and knocked out for the first time. I lost to a middleweight. I mean, there's no way that'll happen again, to be honest. So I just had a lot of issues. Mm. But you know, um, a loss is a loss, and you know, I take it how it is. So. I mean, some when people go through a losing streak, you either have to to get better and start winning, or just you know step out of the game. And at the time, I, I was in a position where I had to stand up or move aside. You know, I lost six times. You know, end of the day, I was just walking to get a paycheck and not really doing much with it. So um, I'm glad I found my way back out of the hole. Um, some people, or some fighters, never do in their careers ever, to be honest. So, so like, would you say that was a big turning point? Because after that losing streak, you had your UFC debut, which didn't go to plan, but then after that, for the next two years, you won four fights on the bounce, defeating fighters like Ben Rothwell, Stefan Struve, and this ultimately resulted in you eventually fighting Junior DeSantos, which certainly at the time, it felt like the second and third best heavyweight in the UFC fighting for a shot at the title. You lost that fight in the third round, but what I'd like to know is, did you think at that time, you you had the confidence, you had the belief that you were going in the right direction and it was only a matter of time before you got that title or at least got a shot at the title? Well, yeah, I thought I was on the right path. You know, I um, was doing the right things. There was no way I was... I, I thought I was going to um, win that fight against Junior regardless whether it was a, you know, a fill-in fight um, for someone else. But, you know... Um, the opportunity comes I have to take it I'm one of those guys that you know take opportunities when it comes because sometimes it never uh, it'll only come one time for you I've had it a few times which is lucky and I've been thankful that the UFC has given me these opportunities and I've been lucky to do it because I mean not much people can take uh, short notice fights on um, you know on, uh, on short notice yeah. <laughs> so to speak <laughs> so did you know, a lot of people have to mentally build and do a lot of camps and all this sort of mm. jazz but I think you have to do it sometimes, but um, you know I've, I've done a lot of my fights on short notice and just you know just trying to um, take the opportunity while it's there. To be honest, so on the topic of taking fights short notice or having a full camp to prepare, how much of a difference does it? make in relation to your fitness your sharpening of the skills even the weight because is the difference between an extra month or two in camp absolutely massive or is it still i don't want to say easy because no camp by the sounds of things is easy but is it still yeah are you still able to have the right diet cut down the weight naturally get a good camp in so that you know you're fit enough to fight three or five rounds or if you take a fight at short notice do you know that you're going to be in the octagon at say 70-80% as opposed to 100 yeah I think most fighters try to get in about 100 but they never really seem to do I mean I've always a lot of my fights have done on, on, on just um, short notice fights I mean a lot of my camps when I'm done I, I, I start camp heavy which isn't good because most of the camp isn't actually a fight camp it's actually a fat camp I just have to <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, it's true though. You know, so your body gets used to training while it's heavy, and it's not good for anything. You know, not good for um, anything, to be honest. So, um, yeah, but it's good to get a good camping. I mean, otherwise you're just preparing yourself for a loss. But then you know, I always get the opportunity. I always try to take the opportunity, which is good. But in the end, it's up to each of their own. It's their choices for what they want to do, and that's it. So, after your fight with Dos Santos. Did you ever think or did you feel that that perhaps was potentially your chance blown at 
ever fighting for the UFC title because obviously a year or two later you fought for the vacant interim uh, heavyweight championship against Verdum but at that moment when you lost to Junior did you think I've had a good run this could be my time or did you were you mentally strong enough at that time to go you know what I'm good enough I'm going to train hard enough and I'm going to get myself back in the position where I can win this title well yeah that's what I've always thought I was the best fighter in the world even though I take a loss you know some of those mm. fights I've lost were on short notice but um, you know even when I make a loss I still feel like I'm one of the best fighters in the world there's no there's no way in my mind that I wouldn't be competing if I didn't feel that way. I mean, I've always felt like I'm the best fighter in the world. Uh, like I said, even with a loss. But, um, you know, these are some great competitors. But, um, you know, I just think it's just how I felt about myself being a lot better than them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, probably how, that's probably how I always feel about uh, uh, being a fighter until I actually retire. So, I mean, that's the way it is. Well, that's probably a good way because the heavyweight division, very few people go unscathed without getting knocked down without losing fights big fights i suppose as you've explained you you have this no fear attitude you you're ready for any fight short notice long notice doesn't matter but do you think there's genuinely a case where certain fighters go into fights whether it's at heavyweight or in other divisions where the whole build-up like a lot of people mention conor mcgregor being able to get into the head of the opponent do you think the mental side and keeping fear and the negative thoughts out do you think that is one of the most important parts of fighting or do you think the actual skills honed well, of course it is what does it take to be a fighter I think mean, I've always said fighting is 80% mental I mean you've got to have a strong mind to compete um, at the top end to be honest I mean there's no way you'll be weak and be able to compete I mean just um, fighting at their level with, with, uh, with different opponents uh you know, just to build up enough is to put a lot of people off fighting. And I've always said, you know, fighting is not for everybody, to be honest. But, I mean, a lot of the top-end fighters are strong-willed and strong-minded people. There's no way you can be uh, the best in the world and um, be a weak person mentally. <laughs> mm. You wouldn't even last long, to be honest. You wouldn't last long. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of presumed that, but I just wanted to double-check. It's slightly off topic. One thing, and it's one of the listeners wanted to ask this, and I just got it here uh, by text. You're nicknamed the walkaway KO king and stuff like that. I'm just curious, when you score a knockdown with a one punch and you walk away and don't follow up with ground and pound or whatever, do you know that the opposite fighter is not getting up from that? Are you just presuming and trying to look good for the highlight reel? Well, I don't know. Actually, no, I just presume. Uh, but sometimes you can see him, he's all fucked up. You know, you're not going to continue. Like, you know he's, he's done, he's not going to compete. But that's when you, you know, you can't really say you know because you, it's like knowing someone's on steroids. You don't know until they actually go and test their blood. <laughs> yeah, I don't true. actually know. I just, you know, my, my knowledge and experience of fighting says that, that, it's, uh, that he's not, uh, you know, he's not able to compete. Now, that means it's all over, which means... For me, the fight is over to, uh, you know, discontinue the assault. Mm. That's the way I feel about it, you know. So. Interesting. Well, no, I was curious myself to know where you well, just... Well, it's like me saying, uh, like with that dickhead Brock Lesnar, I say, hey, man, he, he looks like he's on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Of course he looks like he's on steroids. But do I actually know? No, I don't, because I haven't gone and tested his blood. I can say to everybody, hey, man, he's a fucking cheater. He looks like he's on steroids. But I don't actually know. I'm presuming he is, you know. It's just like, it's... it's, 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 it's uh, one of those things so just moving on to the topic of Brock at UFC 200 
that was another short notice fight he was only brought in a couple of weeks beforehand didn't do the full testing didn't have a full camp but due to other outside factors he had to be brought in and you just come off beating Antonio Silva and Frank Mir at that time you looked to be in good shape and good form heading into that fight so when you found out that you were fighting Brock at such a big event what was your initial impressions like were you thinking were you more concerned about him or were you thinking this is a this is a big money fight this is a big opportunity I just need to go and smash this guy well, it was a great opportunity. Like I said, I didn't know I was fighting. Um, it was a good. I just signed the new contract. You know, I, I, everything was pretty rosy. You know, I mean, um, got a new house. I got the house for the camp in Vegas. You know, I got given a lot of things. Like, well, this is uh, things are turning around for me. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, I didn't know why I was, uh, you know, being iced up here. But uh, but at the end of the day, it was a good opportunity. Um, I don't see anybody. I mean, especially guys that are just pretending to be fighters. I mean, that guy's the king of shortcuts. I mean, it's yeah. like any guy that takes judge. You know, they, all they do is take shortcuts. That's all they did. To me, they they shouldn't be martial artists. They should be just uh, known as guys that are just taking shortcuts that can't can't do it the proper way. You know, you give mm. respect and props to guys that do things legit. You know, and not like guys that uh, take shortcuts and um, use steroids to get ahead. Mm. That's where you should give props. So. For that fight, um, like I said, it was a, a great opportunity. I'm going to turn that. You know, I uh, for that fight, I I, I didn't know um, uh, that, that 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 idiot that fool was on the on the, on the gear and um, yeah, like probably like probably a lot of these guys that are cheating right now. But um, in the end of the opportunity, I was still worried about um, when I looked at him. I was like, oh fuck, well, he might be cheating like the last four or five of them. The yeah. guy before that, Alistair, the guy before that, Alistair over him. You know, I was pushed into that fight. You know, I I turned down three fights prior to that. Mm. And, you know, I, and the guy in Melbourne, when they said, "Oh, would you like to fight Josh Barnett in Melbourne?" I said, uh, "Well, let me put a clause in my contract to because that guy's a known cheater." Mm. And uh, you know, I said no to that fight. And then three days later, the guys fucking pop for, for steroids. So you know, it's not like I took the fight because I um, needed the money or, or wanted to. Uh, you know, to take the opportunity, it was, you know, the guy was a known cheater, and that's it. I mean, so you need. I, I was just looking out for myself and my well-being because these guys are. It's hard to compete with these guys that are cheating these days because they're you know a lot bigger, a lot stronger. Completely agree. At the time of the Brock fight, were you? You were saying there you didn't you didn't know he was definitely on the juice or taking performance enhancing, but like, do you think? Well, if I if I if, if I knew, then there's no way that I would have taken the fight. If I knew 100% that he was cheating, then I would have said, you know what, I'm not going to take this fight. I've already turned down two or three fights uh, prior because these guys have been cheating. I'm trying to get a clause in my contract so it makes it a bit safe for me if, if, if I'm not going to be looked out for. There's no way I feel these guys should be getting any... Um, because what they're doing is they're getting all these advantages and um, you know they're not getting punished. Mm. How are they getting punished? Do you think anyone... Do you think anyone in the yeah. UFC, any members of the UFC, knew that Brock was perhaps taking performance enhancing because he didn't have to go through the whole you sat a testing pool like everyone else did. He got kind of a shortcut special treatment for it. So do you think there could have potentially well, been? Look, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing over there. To be honest, I don't know why he got an exemption. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea um, how it works over there. All I know is, is um, I don't know. And if I knew, I wouldn't have uh, competed. I mean, I like I said, I turned down three, three two or three fights before, prior and um, I, I, I was about you know I was a bit worried about that one too so end of the day I was forced to fight Alistair he's another little cheating little bitch and um, 
True, though. At true. the end of the day, these guys, well, it's true. What am I, long or something? No. They're, no. they're shortcut takers, and they, they shouldn't be um, competing. They're you know, the worst. Like, how do you feel now that it looks like Brock is going to return to the UFC for another fight, and some reporters are suggesting that he's he could potentially fight the winner of Cormier and Miocic. So do you think allowing people like Brock re-enter the UFC and immediately get a big match hurts the company from maybe the fans and fighters' perspective? Well, I don't know. It doesn't do them any favours because, you know, I mean, I just think, I mean, well, a lot of the guys that have been cheating have come back um, you know, and there's no legitimacy. I just think, why, um, why haven't they punished these or enforced their laws against these cheaters? You know, a lot more. They're just letting them get away with, um, you know, hopefully, well, I shouldn't say they, it's going to, if someone dies, they're just letting them get away with murder. Because basically, that's what the, what it is when you're cheating, using fucking steroids. I mean, no one's died yet, you know, thank God. But uh, you know, sooner or later, someone's going to die, and uh, so who's going to be the blame? Are they going to put? Are they are they going to are they going to put it on the guy that was? Uh, Taking the gear or the you know or the guy that let him do it. I don't yeah. know, man. <laughs> and shortly after that fight with Lesnar, he was he was obviously banned for failing a drugs test, and along with him, other fighters you previously fought like Overeem, Silva, you know, Murr, Verdum, and Dos Santos all ended up failing drugs tests and were punished by USADA. But like it has been reported, and you've even admitted yourself that you're suing the UFC, and I'm not looking to get into the details of it, but. Why, in your opinion, do you think the UFC neglect fighter welfare as there have been multiple complaints from several fighters about the UFC's attitudes towards its own fighters' well-being? Like, what, what is the problem with them? Why are they not looking after fighters as well as they should be? Ah, uh, man, you'll have to ask him that question. I, don't, I have no idea. I, 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 you're asking the wrong person that question. It's, um, <laughs> I'm not UFC. I'm just mm. an employee of... of, of, of uh, UFC, you know, I've got two more fights left, and that's uh, then I'm through. You know, so we'll see what happens. You can't ask me that question. You have to ask them. Okay, well, I'll tweet Dana. To be honest, though, <laughs> see what yeah. happens. Ask, ask Dana. He might tell you. Yeah, I might be holding my breath for a substantial amount of time for that one. But um, you recently said that, and you just said there that you intend to see see out your contract uh, with the UFC, and then you plan on moving on. Is that is that well, your? Go on. Sorry, keep going. Sorry, uh, like, keep going. Is that your own decision? Like, have you made up your mind, or is it down to the fact that your relationship with maybe the UFC is past the point of no return? Well, a uh, bit of both, uh, to be honest. But at the end of the day, I, I just want to have, you know, um, I want to, like I said, I enjoy fighting, still enjoy fighting, even though I've had a bit of a mental um, break right now. I'm just, you know, trying to get back mentally because it's been hard to try and deal with, with uh, all these issues with the, with the, with the, with the work yeah. and and everything else it's hard uh, people say uh, it's easy and things. it's not easy to, to compete um, but you're not there totally with your mindset I mean shucks yeah, I needed a bit of time after that last loss I mean I should have won that fight easily but you know I got I wrestled and in uh, the end of the day I just didn't feel like um, you know my fighting was uh, you know mentally gone so I had to you know I, need, I needed this little time off and and have a break because you know it's hard to compete when you're competing against fucking everyone the company you work for as well. <laughs> well, that's the way I feel. You know, you you get feel, feel, you get treated like an outsider when you're when you when I'm the one here that's done nothing wrong. You know, I go to work, I go to work, I do my best, and um, I do it the proper way, not the cheating way, like a lot of these little donkeys <laughs> that come around here saying, "Oh, I'm the best fighter in the world," but hey, man, I'm sticking needles in my fucking poo shoot because I'm a fucking cheat and I take shortcuts. I can't handle the pain. So I had mm. to take shortcuts to can't run the distance and 
Oh, look at me, you know. We should never give these guys props, especially in esports, especially fighting these cheaters. Give props to the guys that don't cheat, like you know, like Mighty Mouse or they're like uh, Stipe. Those are the guys that deserve all the money, the uh, the props, because they worked hard. They dropped their blood and sweat, not 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 fucking their fucking synthetic fucking sweat. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, that's I, the way I feel about it. And I always feel like that's the way I always feel about it. This, this bullshit that's going on, uh, and it's still continuing to this day. Should be stopped. Needs to be stopped. And in your view, what's the best way? Do you sadly need to ban these guys for life? Do the UFC need to fire them without hesitation? Well, like, what's the well, what's look, the best man, look, way? I'm, do you think? I've already said the first thing, the best thing to do is to start with take away their money, their financial mm. gain. I said, well, what's the problem? With, you don't have to give it to the other guy, or at least take half of it give the other guy. Just take it off them. Don't give them nothing because you know what? Now they get, they're getting paid to cheat. Mm. They're, 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 they're making money. So that little dickhead fucking Brock Lesnar, he got paid, I don't know, whatever the fuck he got paid. He paid that fine that he got from, from Usada or whatever, and he goes on his merry way. How is he getting punished for cheating? He, he didn't get punished at all. Maybe no. if it took it out of his bank account, then maybe he got punished. But first thing is take away their financial gain, and then we'll start from there. Because when they... They don't get no money to cheat. They won't do it. Because no, a lot of people say, oh, I do it because I love fighting. But stop lying. I'll knock your fucking teeth out for free. You know? <laughs> since, when, since when is it fucking, oh, man, I love fighting. I love this. Yeah, fighting's about paying the hurt business. And it's not, you know, there's a lot that goes out goes with it mentally. So no one has to do that shit for free. That's the problem is there's a lot of these people say, oh, I just want to be in the UFC. I wanna... And when they actually make it in the UFC, they get, uh, they get uh, pittance money. They go, well, Where's the money, guys? Well, you said you love to do it for free. Come and get your head punched in for free, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fat chance of that. There's a lot of idiots these days, you know. But at the end of the day, like I said, these guys are getting away. The first thing to do is take away their financial gain, and we'll start from there. Sooner or later, they won't be doing it for free because they, they won't be doing it at all because, you know, no one loves to fight for nothing. Fighting was a, a way Fighting was a way to get out of, out of being poor and, and another avenue for guys that didn't, do well then fighting is a, is a slave way to get out of, of, of earning you know from being poor to, to helping yourself that what that's for me what fighting was about freedom I don't know what people think about these days I mean anyway that's my little know. take on this field take away their money <laughs> well no I think I think you're targeting the thing that matters most to most of these fighters and that's their livelihood that's putting dinner on the table for their family so maybe they'll respect the actions they take and the cheating actions they take by as you said taking away the thing that probably matters the most for them. Well, move. look, man, look, I've said it, I've said it before too, that, that uh, pure example, that little cocksucker fucking Lance Armstrong, that psycho rider, you know, that little dickhead cheated for seven years and got away with it, him and the rest of those little phonies, and they got away with it all for, uh, what, seven years, two of the So the last person that was, that was not cheating was the, the number 32. So from number one to 32, the guy 32 should have been winning. The guy, that goes to show how far back you know they are cheating, and what 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 level of uh, advantages these these guys get? One to yeah. thirty-two. Look at the gap, how big it is. So if the number thirty-two should have got all the benefits of being the number one in the world, plus his family and kids, but it wasn't because thirty-two of these little pricks cheated. So mm. you know that's like with fighting. I mean, with, with cheating, with using steroids and all that stuff, that's how far the advantage are. They get all the better rest, they get better sleep, mentally everything. So. You know, I think I think the first thing to do is um, take away their financial gain, and um, we we'll go from there. There'll mm. be there'll be. You know, I think you'll cut like all of them. 
straight away when they're not getting their money for it. <laughs> well, listen, hopefully we see that day come soon, but we'll have yes, to wait sir. on it. You were mentioning there that moving on after your contract runs out, but is there is there a chance, because you're still a top 10 fighter in the UFC, if you were to win maybe your next two fights, and I've seen you recently call out uh, Francis Ngannou, and you've never shied away from fighting the best fighters or the most dangerous fighters, but if, say, you went on a two-fight winning streak, would you not look to maybe negotiate and try work things out with the UFC to extend that contract, or is the way you see it, no matter what happens in these next two fights, I'm done? To be honest, I, look, I'm, I'm going to fight three, uh, five more times and and really reassess my career about retirement. Because I am 44, one of the oldest. I've had shitloads of problems with the you know um, um, steroids and steroid use for the last. You know, a lot of my you know, injuries I have, I've broken hand in two places uh, because fighting guys that are cheating. I've just I've had enough, man. It's just, oh, I'm, I'm fair. I've had enough of uh, trying to compete against these guys. You know. I've, you're talking to someone that came from the era of Pride and K1, you know, who the fuck knows what those guys was, was sticking in their ass, you know? It's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. It was lawless back so then. So I came from that era, and I survived that era, that era, and I'm still here. Mm. No, that is you a know? fair so, point. You know, um, and to be honest, coming um, from that era and, and, and knowing all those things, I was like, man, well, I'm not going to be like these guys because that means that everything I've done, that means, oh, hang on, let me just try and kill this guy. I'm just, <laughs> you know, guys, there's one car, one car. I'm talking uh, to you, but I haven't even got my headset on. Oh, shit. <laughs> anyway, we won that round anyway. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think, unless it's a really seriously good offer, and I don't think um, I should want to deal with the rest of my life, my fighting career with, with the uh, company that doesn't give a shit about, um, the, I don't think they care about uh, my well-being. I mean, at all. That's yeah. the way I look at it. I mean, or, or, or not um, enforce the laws, or you know, or put harsher penalties, or you know, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine or five hundred thousand dollar fine is not not even close to being enough. If I lose an eye or I lose my life or something, there's yeah. no way that is uh, that is even close to being punished with these guys. These guys are, are getting away with everything, and um, I need to uh, I need to keep addressing this issue, and mm. um, keep trying keep trying to uh, fight for an even playing field. Because at the end of the day, that's all I'm trying to do is make it even enough. And it's taken a long, long time for me to realize that that's what I'm doing. Because <laughs> mm. I'm fighting all these guys, like, and these injuries are coming, and, you know, it's um, hard to keep going. I, c- I can imagine so. It's hard, it's hard to keep going, baby, because everyone's a fucking little bitch cheap. <laughs> so, what, so what does, the last thing I'd like to ask is, what does the the future hold for you? Like, what does the future hold? Do you see yourself fighting for much longer? Is... As you're saying, is this lawsuit going to take most of your time? Like what? what like what do you? What do you see yourself doing in a few years' time? Do you see yourself retired, or do you still want to fight somewhere else in a different organization? So I see myself killing some of these little bitch noobs on here. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, I, what, what I um I don't know, man. I mean, does, do you know what the future holds for you? I only know the immediate future, and that is I'll be going okay. to asleep in about the next half an hour or an hour <laughs> but apart from that I don't know I don't know what tomorrow brings that's pretty much like me so the next the immediate future for me is killing these nudes and then <laughs> going to do some exercise and that's about it so I don't know what the future holds you know I might I, I think plans or things to making plans in the future you can only you know want the, the best for everything but um, you know who knows I have mm. no idea what's going to happen in the future you know I could get a training after this or after killing some of these moves and you know get run over who the fuck knows I don't know man <laughs> and 
Are you are you currently? I don't. You're not in pre-fight camp, but are you still keeping yourself in tip-top sure, condition? Sure. Like, are you ready oh, for a fight? Put on like, I'm trying to get back to, to camp. It's hard. Like I said, I've had a bit of a. They're coming mid, one mid, last mid. I've mm. had a mental um, block. Like I said, it's, it's got to me. Or the the fighting has got to me mentally. It's hard to deal with it. all the issues I have outside, and um, you know, I'm just trying to come back uh, mentally. You know, I'm mm. still uh, the number six in the world. I don't know why someone else is number six, but I know why I'm number six. And I, um, I've got a couple more fights left in my contract. I, I want to see my contract out and um, see what, what happens from there. I still feel like I can beat some of these guys. Well, all of them. I mean, I like another shot fighting the champ. Yeah. Um, but I just need a, you know, a couple more fights. I've, you know, I, you know, I've given these other guys opportunities instead of taking or waiting for the, uh, the guy that's above me. And, um, you know, we'll go from there. So I've got two more fights. I'm looking forward to competing, hopefully, end of the year or something like that. And, um, you know, and finishing my career off uh, um, on a winning note. But we'll see what happens. You know, I want to fight five more times. And I still want a chance to fight for the, for the belt. You know, I still feel I'm one of the best fighters in the world. Oh, damn it, I just got blasted. <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay. so I feel like I'm still one of the best fighters in the world. And, um, and I always feel like that. Um, well, that's I good to hear. That's good to hear. So to fin- to conclude my podcast, I do a quick fire round question. So I'll ask you a few quick fire questions. So the first thing you can think of, just say it aloud. And as I said to most people, don't try and regret it. <laughs> that one? Uh. So the so the first question is, who was the strongest uh. fighter you've ever faced? Uh, Mark Hunt. <laughs> but you've never faced yourself. Yeah, I have. I face myself every day when I wake up. I I have to fight with my mind whether I should go training or whether I should do this. Of course, I'm the hardest opponent. No one else can be better, be bigger and stronger than me because that's the way it is. I mean, everyone has to fight demons, but uh, when you're, it's not no opponent. It's not no one else that you're fighting. You're fighting yourself. <laughs> okay, that's a very interesting way to answer that question, and I like it. That's always been the case, though. That's always been the case. What is the worst advice you see or hear being given in your world? Oh man, I just like I explained before, I. I love fighting. I do it for free. I just want to be in the UFC. Man, those guys should be really tortured because <laughs> they don't know what they do. Those guys, I do it for free. I just love fighting. Okay, that's fine. That's yeah. the, best, the worst advice. Okay, so the people who tend to say they have the love for the fighting game, not so much the paycheck. Well, well even even the other guy that says to me, oh, I've had over a thousand street fights and um, I'll be good at MMA fight. I'll be good at I'll be, I'll be good mixed martial artists, which is not the case. So, Street fighting and being an actual fighter is not the same thing. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Scarface. Scarface. Classic. You know? I do. I've seen it. Fucking cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> Those fucking cockroaches. Come on! Yeah. I'll kill you now. Oh. Watch it. Watch it. He's going to stick his tongue out there. It's like a fucking lizard, man. It's like a lizard. If um, next question is, if you were to give a TED talk, what would you talk about? If I was to give what, sorry? A TED talk. What's that? It's like a, a presentation on a chosen topic. So you can pick anything to talk about for 10 minutes to an audience. Oh, probably fighting, fighting or eating, something like that. <laughs> pick one, or, either fighting or, or eating. Maybe, maybe choices, choices in life, I'll pick one of those, yeah. Okay. And which person do you admire most and why? I don't know. There's a lot. I like Mike Tyson because he conquered the fighting world and, um, and he's had a great life. So probably Mike Tyson. 
Okay. And last but not least, describe yourself in three words. Um, uh, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. Strong, um, courageous, and um, yeah, all good stuff. <laughs> all good stuff. <laughs> all good stuff is actually a good way to describe yourself in three. If you want to use that. But no, listen, that concludes uh, the podcast, Mark, and thanks a lot for coming on. I've really enjoyed getting to learn about aspects of your childhood and perspectives on fighters and elements of the fight game. Yeah, yeah man, no worries. Uh, for sure, I've got a book out called Born to Fight, so you can probably get it on paperback or on the internet. You can buy one, um, and you can read all about me. It's uh, it's, uh, it's written by Ben McCarvey, and then you'll know all about me, so I don't have to talk shit all the time about it. <laughs> and is, is, that, is that an autobiography about your life? Yes, it's uh, Born to Fight about my life and how I got to be where I am. Well, actually, how I got to be a prize fighter and um, and how I got to do things the way I, the way from my eyes, from my point of view, how I saw things in my career and um, how things are now. So yeah, so I mean, yeah, Born to Fight. Super. You can get it out and um, in an ebook somewhere. So I'll get yeah. that. Uh, I'll get that linked on uh, yeah. Amazon. And I might also add uh, before I let you go. I forgot to mention, actually, that you're my go-to fighter in the UFC video game, and many men have been slayed over the last few years, but um, it, it, go, it, goes, it goes without saying, listen, I wish you all the best, both inside and outside the octagon, and as I said, I hope, I hope today goes well, I hope the next week goes well, and I hope your future works out the way you want it to. All right, thanks very much for your time, and uh, thanks for having me on your show, so yeah, thanks very much. I'll talk to you later. No worries. Thanks, Mark. Take care.